0: Welcome back to Gab. my name is Anil and I'm the host and creator of the Gab community and on today's podcast we'll be talking a little bit about Zack Snyder and the infamous Snyder Cut. For those of you joining me for the first time, thank you for tuning in and for those of you who are returning listeners, what is wrong with you? Why are you tuning into this podcast? Just kidding. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for showing your support. We really appreciate it. It is helping us get our feet on the ground and also giving us a lot of encouragement. So thank you again for tuning in and without further ado, let's jump right in. So Zack Snyder. I mean, where do we begin to talk about this guy? I mean, if you do a really quick IMDB search, you'll see his filmmaker history goes way back to the early or late 1980s. And he's had quite a few movies that he's worked on as a director and also as a producer. But for this podcast, I think we're gonna mostly focus on the movies that many of us already know, uh, which are 300, Watchmen, Soccer Punch, Man of Steel, Superman, or uh, sorry, Batman versus Superman, uh, Justice League and the Outcome of Justice League, and you know some of the other projects that he's been working on with WB. As some of us may not know, uh, he still does have quite an amicable relationship with WB as he is the producer on some of their upcoming movies. It's just that he's no longer on the forefront of their DCEU. And I think that is something that a lot of people probably don't know or they don't think about when they talk about Zack Snyder being let go from WB. And so that's something that we'll probably dive into a little bit today. So first up on the plate we have 300 which if any of you remember was one of the biggest movies of that era. Uh, just because it had amazing action sequences. It had a killer story, great performances. I mean, it would be hard to find someone who has seen that movie and tell you they absolutely hated that movie. I remember I was working at Blockbuster at the time and it was our number one rental when it hit the shelves. I didn't even get to see it in theaters the opening weekend just because of how busy and how packed it was the first time around. So I remember that being one of the largest movies, especially from an action perspective, that came out during the, uh, what was that, mid-2000s. This would have been during the craze of epic cinema and during the time of or just after you know Lord of the Rings finished up and they were making or Hollywood was making movies about you know swashbuckling and sword fighting action heroes 300 is one of those stories that kind of fit that niche or fit that genre really easily because it was a story about scantily clad muscular supermodel spartan warriors that were fighting to protect their land and this was an easily marketable idea to the studio and of course it is based off of the graphic novel by Frank Miller and for any of you who know Frank Miller uh, comics or graphic novels his work is easily adaptable to the cinema platform it is typically sought out by filmmakers and you know studios because it does lend itself nicely not only to the filmmaking process but they are really really amazing stories and Frank Miller is something of a fan of himself and he would love to see almost all of his stuff adapted unlike other comic book writers or graphic novel writers like Alan Moore for example and writers like Stephen King who hate having their stuff adapted just because they don't feel that movies and cinema can properly adapt or capture the essence of their work so Frank Miller being one of these guys that would definitely push for uh, one of their movies to be or one of their stories to be adapted um, 300 was just right in the right market at that time to be able to see the light as as a movie. Now, for anyone that has read 300, the graphic novel, you'll know that it is actually quite a quick read uh, because it doesn't have a whole lot of words. It is very visual and poster-esque storytelling, and it is a larger than normal comic book or graphic novel because panels are almost like poster size pages, and there's more left to the imagination on the page through the style of the art uh, than there is in the telling of words and using words to tell the story. So that Kind of gave it sort of a storyboard feel, and I think that made it more of an adaptable story, and you can kind of insert a bit more or have a bit more liberties. And I think that's sort of where Zack Snyder had um, the ability to pitch it to the studio in order to be a a movie that was marketable to be made. But that's not to take away from the actual production of the movie, as the movie itself was very well done. It had some really great performances by a lot of well known actors and actresses. For anyone that watched the movie, they probably remember your butler uh, Lena hetty who uh, also went on to do game of thrones dominic west who came from the wire we had michael fassbender who i always forget is actually in that movie because he has a little bit of a small part and then there's a bunch of other well-known names that are in there as well but i think when you talk to people about 300 what they'll probably tell you mostly is that what they remember about that movie is the visual style some people critiqued it quite heavily because Zack snyder used his famous stop and slow motion style action sequences and that's sort of something that became a little bit of a signature of his but other people will tell you that they just love the action sequences they love how it kind of gave you a very interesting mood and interesting style for some of the scenes they're very artistic and very colorful and in some cases they're very almost surreal so that movie tied together a lot of the elements from the book that people liked, but also added its own kind of flair and style to the the visual of the movie that gave it quite a bit more of an appeal, especially to movie-going audiences. So I I would probably say that 300 is the movie that did it for Zack Snyder in the world of up-and-coming directors and things like that, even though he had been doing movies for some time before that, and he had Dawn of the Dead, which was also regarded or split On the reception from people, I think it was quite divisive. Personally, I really like that movie. I love zombie movies, and that was the one that kind of brought a little bit of a more action style to the zombie genre. But yeah, I mean, 300 was one of those movies that kind of put him on the map, in my opinion, and I think that gave way for him to do bigger projects and is quite possibly the movie that opened the door to give him the ability to work on projects like Watchmen and then eventually get to the point of working on Man of Steel and then. Batman versus Superman and then Justice League so there we have sort of the groundwork for where it all kind of started and he goes on from 300 to working on the next big project or the next big blockbuster type movie for the superhero genre which is of course Watchmen. Now I'm not going to dive too deep into Watchmen just because we covered quite a bit of it in our last podcast but that was a huge project or undertaking for Snyder just because that graphic novel has such a huge following and such a huge fan base that to make a true adaptation of that graphic novel would have been something that would have drove anyone insane but In my opinion i think he managed to do an amazing job just because i think it's about 90 percent accurate give or take with the ending being changed and you know a few things trimmed out here or there that was probably the best thing you could have hoped for to get out of that movie and i think that he did an amazing job in just doing that alone even if you consider the fact that many people probably would have never even been exposed to something like watchmen until that movie came out that is a pretty big achievement and a pretty big thing just because it brought some light back to uh, a classic. And in my opinion, it gave way to a lot of new comic book fans and it gave way to a lot of existing comic book fans to kind of look at film adaptations of superhero comics or comic book graphic novels that aren't your typical ones like uh, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Flash and The Avengers and Iron Man and all those guys. So Watchmen has its own sort of merits just by being a movie itself, let alone an adaptation of the graphic novel. So where are we at in the count here? We have 300 and we have Watchmen, which are these two really huge titles, both graphic novel related, both huge following, huge fan bases did really well at the box office. Then he goes on to do a couple of movies of his own and I'm going to skip over Legend of the Guardians the the owl movie because I personally haven't seen it although I can only imagine what it is like I probably will watch it eventually I just never got around to watching it back when it came out but I did go and see Sucker Punch and that is one movie that I actually was thinking about today only because I can't remember a whole lot about that movie other than the incredible action sequences and that's probably the only good thing I can say about that movie is that it had amazing action sequences and this was one of his own sort of original concept movies that was not based on previous work and it may have been inspired by a ton of things and there's definitely a lot of references to inspirational works both in the action sequences the style of the movie has a very almost anime style feel to it but this was one of those movies that didn't really do that greatly for him from a box office perspective come to think of it i'm not entirely sure who his target audience was for this movie just because it does leave to question whether it was for everybody or if it was for maybe just a male audience or a fan audience or teenagers or something because this movie was all over the place and it had a lot of cool ideas but the number one thing I think to take away from this movie is just how cool the action sequences are. If you haven't seen this movie yet and you're Thinking about checking it out just because you're hearing about it for the first time on this podcast. I mean, it is worth checking out just because it does have quite a few cool things. I mean, the number one thing going forward, I would say, is the action sequences. And I mean, if you're a fan of most things like video games and anime and fight scenes and sword fighting and things like that, you'll definitely get a kick out of this movie. It's just one of those things that didn't translate well to all audiences and didn't do that well box office wise. And it's probably one of the more forgettable movies under zack snyder's belt and now we can probably jump into where it starts to get really interesting for me and that is with zack snyder's man of steel so let me go ahead and apologize to you listeners right now just because i'm about to geek out about this movie in so many different ways just because i'm gonna say it right now man of steel was the best superman movie we have had Ever. and I know that for my comic book comrades this is probably the most blasphemous thing I can say how could I say this knowing Richard Donner's movies exist knowing Christopher Reeves Superman exists and some people might even throw Brandon Ralph in there and for those people I'd say put your hands up cuz I'm gonna fight you I will actually fight you you know why because in that movie Superman fights a giant rock and if I fought you that would be a more interesting battle than him fighting this rock. That movie almost seems like some sort of sabotage because Brian Singer came over from doing X-Men to, to direct Superman Returns. And that movie was, in my opinion, the worst Superman movie that exists to date. And the only good thing I can say about that movie is Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor because his performance was very much like Gene Hackman's portrayal of Lex Luthor in the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And that was probably the only good thing that came out of Brian Singer's Superman. And if Brian Singer ever comes back to the DC side, he should be very careful because he made Superman Returns. And that almost ruined Superman. And we didn't get another Superman movie for years after that. And what did we get? We got Man of Steel. Okay, so let me take it down a notch because that last little rant there just sounded like a crazy person. But every fanboy has their trigger point and I think for me, my trigger point is Superman Returns and how much hate Man of Steel gets from the Superman fandom and the DC fandom and movie fandom in general. So we're talking about Man of Steel and I want to talk about some of the things that came out of that movie that were just amazing And some of the things that I personally didn't like but overall that movie for me was probably one of the best Superman movies that we will ever get because I don't think anything else will top that I have to see or I have to hope that the next wave of superhero movies or the next wave of Warner Bros DC movies are gonna be equally or better than what we got starting with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel so let me jump in with some of the things that I liked and I'm just gonna list them right off the top number one we get a really comic book accurate looking Superman. Henry Cavill made himself look like Superman. I believed when I saw him in the suit on screen, this guy is real life Superman. That was something that you did not get from Brandon Ralph. You didn't really even get it from Christopher Reeve just because looking at those suits, looking at those actors in the roles for the time, they did not really appear like Superman. And maybe they did when those movies came out. But I'll, I'll argue that Brandon Ralph definitely did not when Superman Returns came out because that was a more recent movie and it, it lacked a whole lot of Superman-esque style with... Christopher Reeve we got maybe more of a conventional or maybe more of a nostalgic looking Superman and I think that from a comics perspective back in the day like the early 70s and early 80s he probably looked a bit more like how the artwork was at that time but when you compare all of those on-screen actors and I'm including Dean Dane I'll include Tom Welling from Smallville Christopher Reeve Brandon Routh and Henry Cavill and we'll even throw in actually the the more recent actor that's playing him right now in the Supergirl series I forget his name but when you look at all of these guys together side by side by side the one that stands out the most as that Superman is Henry Cavill he just feels like Superman he looks like Superman he acts like Superman he feels like Clark Kent acts like Clark Kent And we never really got that from the previous versions than the previous actors. I mean, I think about Christopher Reeve and I feel like he was a really good Clark Kent, but when it came to Superman, I didn't really believe him as Superman. I didn't believe that he was this guy that could fly around and lift heavy objects and save people and all that sort of stuff. Then you get Brandon Routh who didn't really feel like Superman. Didn't really feel like Clark Kent. Kind of felt like a guy who was out of place and seemed like he was just trying to mimic Christopher Reeves' performance of uh, Clark Kent and Superman. And that's where I think the disconnect comes from for me, just because Christopher Reeves, being the classic and the original, just wasn't my favorite. So there you have number one thing that I love that came out of Man of Steel from Zack Snyder, and that is the look of Superman and the actor they picked to play Superman just was the most convincing and probably the best we'll ever get. And I really pray and hope that WB doesn't let go of him and he comes back after he finishes filming The Witcher and we get a Man of Steel 2. So here's hoping, if you're out there listening to me, please, WB, Gods, and and Henry Cavill, please uh, work out a deal and please come come together and make Man of Steel 2 and give us a proper Superman trilogy. So moving on to the second thing that came out of Man of Steel that I really love from Zack Snyder is, of course, the action. In Man of Steel, we get some of the best action sequences in a Superman movie ever. And I'm not just talking about the action between Superman and the people that he's fighting, but we get a Jor-El action sequences in the opening of the movie. And that was something that I thought I would never see. And although I didn't expect to see a Jor-El action sequence just because the Jor-El character in previous versions has never really been depicted as an action type person and it kind of didn't make sense because Jor-El is sort of a scientist and why is he fighting and why is he so action, and military trained They give you a little bit of backstory as to why he might be able to do some of those things and it was just cool to have that little sort of Krypton action sequence with the life forms and aliens that were on Krypton that kind of almost felt like a scene from James Cameron's Avatar so The action sequences in this movie are incredible. They give you everything you want in a Superman action movie. They give you Superman fighting other people. They give you Superman saving people. They give you Superman dad kicking ass. They give you army sequences. They give you aerial dog fights. They give you explosions. They give you everything you want to see in a Superman movie. And you get one of the best fight scenes at the end of the movie between Superman and Zod which basically destroys half of the city in a almost bar fight style with Superman and him fighting both on the ground, in the air, slamming each other against buildings, through buildings, buildings being destroyed. And then this was like a scene out of Dragon Ball Z and and even a scene out of the last Matrix movie from Matrix Revolutions. So item number two that came out of this movie that was really great is the action. Moving on to item number three and that is the Clark Kent story which is something that we never really get a full glimpse of Clark Kent past the, the stages of Smallville. If you forego everything that we've seen in the Smallville series and just say that is a separate universe or a separate, separate canon altogether we don't get the Clark Kent story like we did for Bruce Wayne and the Chris Nolan trilogy. What we get is a montage of past events. We get stuff about his growing up on the farm and being bullied in school and just being the outcast. But in Man of Steel, we get a little bit of a backstory about who he was when he landed, how he was raised by Jonathan and Martha and how he tried to cope with his existence as this person who can essentially destroy the world growing up in a small farm town. I, I would even say that Zack Snyder kind of gave him the Chris Nolan treatment where he tried to do the whole backstory for Clark Kent you know traveling the world and trying to find himself which is something that no one ever really took this approach to say that Superman is a character that is really complex just because a lot of people tend to think that he's a character that just landed on earth was raised by these farm people with these values and then went on to decide to to be a hero and save the world and blah 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 but taking the approach to show that Clark Kent leaves Smallville to kind of understand his place in the world and because he doesn't really even know what that is and what that means is something that Snyder kind of explores and you get A bit more in touch with the character just because you never really got something like this before and I actually really liked all of the the or all of the the cuts that show you or flashbacks that show you what it was like for him um, in each stage of his uh, growing in confrontation with humanity and uh, I'm saying that the scenes where he's getting bullied by the kids and then his dad or Jonathan is trying to tell him you know you have to decide what kind of man you want to be You know, that that is something that gets instilled in him and that he carries with him to become the Man of Steel. I, I actually really enjoyed all of the parts with Jonathan who's played by Kevin Costner and all of the scenes that show you where he gets his ideologies from that become stuff that he instills as Superman are embedded in those those flashbacks and they give you a really good insight to the character and it's a different approach just because we don't typically get Superman's previous challenges with being good. We always see that he's good. We never see how he decides to be good and how he decides that humanity and mankind is worth representing and worth saving because they always just portray him as this altruistic good being. So Item number three that comes out of uh, Man of Steel that I really liked is the the backstory and the way that it's treated and the approach that Zack Snyder takes to kind of give us Clark Kent's story. Now I'm going to talk about some of the things I didn't like about the movie because as much as I did love it, there were some things that I absolutely had difficulty or challenge with when I saw it the first time and I'm going to jump into those right now. Item number one that I disliked about that movie is the tone. The tone of this movie is not a joyful tone and that is the byproduct or afterproduct of Zack Snyder either trying to mimic the Nolan series or Nolan trilogy for Batman and trying to make Superman realistic and relatable through a darker tone. A lot of criticism that came to this movie is around the tone being so dark and not very joyful and that's not something that a lot of Superman fans will say is a characteristic of the comics, just because the comics are typically lighter reads. They're not usually this heavy and this existential. And that was something that the movie definitely didn't capture and it gave a very different look, and very different tone for Superman. And I think that it did lack quite a bit of lightheartedness and it did lack a little bit of humor. So the tone is going to be one of those things that I say is definitely one of the dislikes. Item number two that I would say I didn't like about Man of Steel is going to be the way that Jonathan dies in this movie. And For those of you who have seen the movie you know it was a silly moment during flashback sequence where a tornado or something happens and Jonathan decides to stay in place and allow the tornado to kill him and not have Clark Kent come to his rescue and reveal himself. For me this was probably the dumbest thing about the movie just because in the comics that I've read and and my bringing up for Superman is Clark confronts the reality of death through the loss of Jonathan when he realizes that he can't save everybody because some people will just die. And in the books that I've read and the, the history of Superman that I'm familiar with, Jonathan dies from I believe it was a heart attack and it was something that he couldn't prevent and that was one of the confrontations with human mortality that Clark is forced to deal with and it it affects him on an emotional level just because it's someone that he cared about and loved and he's unable to save them no matter how powerful he is. So definitely I would say one of the biggest things I had an issue with from Man of Steel is the way Jonathan Dies, And that's because he dies out of a choice that he makes under the ideology or under the, the belief that the world wasn't ready for Clark to reveal himself as this being from outer space. And to treat it that way kind of made it stupid because he could have done a whole bunch of other things to stop Jonathan from dying in that moment. But when it comes to a heart condition what can the man of steel with all his power and his ability to fly and his super strength and heat vision and ice breath. What, what could that guy possibly do in a moment where someone's heart gives out? And that's where he realizes that he, he won't be able to save everybody. And it's going to be one of the hardest things he'll have to deal with. And that's why he just strives to be better and better. So it's that lesson that he learns from the death of Jonathan that really paves the, the groundwork for how he becomes superman and you don't get that from the movie because it's just the silly idea that Jonathan thinks oh no don't reveal yourself to this crowd of people that can see you save me even though you've been doing it uh, as a child through this entire time but let me die because i'm just sick of Martha i guess yeah that was something that i hated about Zack Snyder's man of steel So the third thing that I would say I liked the least about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is Amy Adams' Lois Lane and Henry Cavill's Clark Kent and Superman almost have no chemistry whatsoever in this movie and they try very hard to force a relationship out of these two who have quite a few on-screen moments but the relationship and the chemistry between them is not believable whatsoever. It's almost difficult or impossible to believe that he would fall in love with her and that she would become his anchor as we know in the comics she's the reason why he snaps out of being mind controlled being under the spell of a villain and things like that so they try very hard to make you believe or make this relationship out of this first movie that doesn't seem very believable and it's not Amy Adams fault she's a really great actress and it's not Henry Cavill's fault just sort of maybe the writing And I don't think that it was given the right level of attention. Although I really did like Amy Adams' Lois Lane, it just didn't feel believable on screen that he would fall in love with her. So that would be my third least liked thing about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. My fourth least liked thing about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel is... They had so much opportunity to tie this movie to other characters and other parts of the DC Universe and they didn't use it or didn't expose those opportunities in this movie. And I think part of the reason is because they didn't entirely anticipate Zack Snyder would be the forerunner for their planned DC Extended Universe movies. And so this movie doesn't expose any of the potential areas that they could have introduced new characters. Like you could have easily introduced Bruce Wayne, you could have easily introduced Green Lantern, you could have easily introduced The Flash and you know other elements of the DC world, like Star Labs and all that sort of stuff. But we don't get that. And I think part of that reason is just because they were not planning to go this far into giving Zack Snyder the, the, the reins for planning their DC Extended Universe. So that would be my fourth least favorite thing about missed opportunities let's call it in man of steel For the final thing that i did not like about man of steel many of you are probably going to agree with me it's got to be superman and wait for it because this is spoilers people if you haven't seen this movie yet superman kills zod at the end of the movie when i saw this in theaters i gasped like a little girl because i could not believe They made Superman kill and it wasn't even tastefully done like it was maybe an accidental kill or it was an indirect kill. No. Superman headlocks Zod, snaps his neck in front of a bunch of civilians and then calls it a day. It's a wrap. Zod's dead. The day is saved. I'm going to make out with Lois now. And that moment ruined Superman for me. I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked and it still bothers me to this day. It's the number, number one thing that I disliked about Man of Steel. Moving on from Man of Steel, we get the next big project by Zack Snyder. And this is at the point where he starts to get more hands on with the DCEU and WB starting to plan their universe around Man of Steel as the launching point, kind of like how Marvel did it with Iron Man, is Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Let me start by saying, did I like this movie? Yes, I like the extended cut of this movie, but this movie opens up a whole new can of worms for all of the things that then trickled down to the last of the Zack Snyder era, which would have been Justice League. And those are some of the things I want to talk about now. Number one, we could have done without a Batman vs Superman movie and just had a Man of Steel sequel because we were still building up Henry Cavill Superman. We would have got a little bit more into his villains and we would have got a bit more um, opportunity to introduce some characters that could have built the world a little bit better. But instead we get Bruce Wayne, Batman, and a loose adaptation of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns storyline where Batman and Superman fight each other almost to death. Was that cool visually? Yes. I never thought I'd get to see Batman in the armored suit taking on Superman. As a fan, that was aesthetically and visually pleasing to see because I never ever thought I would get to see that and there was real no really no reason to get a Superman vs Batman movie just because they hadn't even really introduced this new version of Batman after Chris Nolan's trilogy. Which leads me into my next point which is the fact that they cast Ben Affleck to play Batman. Was he the best choice? I don't know Zack Snyder wanted to do an older style Batman I don't think he was really thinking of the the universe being built around Ben Affleck playing Batman for the next four to ten movies but we get Ben Affleck we get a very different version of Batman with Ben Affleck which is a much more grittier more violent and older Batman. And we get some really great action sequences, which Zack Snyder has proven through his history of movies from 300 to now that action is something that he can focus on in visual style. But in my opinion, we don't get the best Batman. We get Ben Affleck's best attempt at giving us a comic book accurate version of Batman. And we do get some really crazy fight scenes and things that I I just loved seeing. And that fight scene in the warehouse was probably the best 2.54 second clip of Batman on cinema that you'll get just because Christian Bale's Batman didn't give us that kind of a fight scene and that's sort of Chris Nolan's fault but overall Ben Affleck gave his performance it was a different version of Batman but it wasn't the type of Batman that you would expect to be part of this extended universe that Warner Bros was planning to to do and one of the things that you can see that they really forced out of this movie is forcing Zack Snyder to build the DCEU out of this one movie and so we get a lot of introduction to other characters we get Lex Luthor who's namely a Superman villain we get the introduction of Diana Prince who is also Wonder Woman and then we get this really really sloppily done introduction to the characters of the Justice League through like a montage of scenes that come through a digital file that Batman decodes and sends to Wonder Woman like this was the dumbest way to introduce these iconic characters and they could have taken their time and they could have done a much better introduction for each of these characters throughout the course of a a few movies but you can tell Warner Bros really wanted to push Zack Snyder to get these uh, characters introduced so that they can have a lineup of movies to introduce in their next wave of um superhero movies. I think the overall reception from Batman vs Superman is that that movie is what was the last nail in the coffin for Zack Snyder in terms of setting the tone for the DCEU and um, it didn't do that well box office wise. I think it cost just as much as it, it made and that is because it isn't the greatest movie when you're comparing it to some of the stuff that was coming out from Marvel at the time which were more high-energy, high-octane, enjoyable movies. And then you get this really dark and gritty, very high-concept Superman-Batman movie. And I think one of the best things that came out of Batman vs. Superman is Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And who would have thought she steals the show at the end of the movie? And that was, I think, the thing that most people were talking about, at least the people that I were talking to, it was one we had a really good action sequence again with batman superman and wonder woman against doomsday and we get gal gadot's wonder woman which just looked amazing she she just felt like wonder woman and it was probably the best thing that came out of that movie and thank thankfully so because she went on to do wonder woman uh standalone movie and she's working on a sequel which is wonder woman 1984 and the trailer for that should be dropping anytime now so we'll get to see a bit more of her but yeah i mean we get A few things that were great out of that movie but overall the reception was not great. great. Now when I say that that movie was sort of like the last nail in the coffin for Zack Snyder that that doesn't mean that he didn't get a chance to work on the next project, which was the the Justice League film. In fact, when that movie came out, he had already started working on Justice League and this is where things started to get really interesting in in terms of a news perspective because at that time we were getting news that Zack Snyder was getting released or removed from uh, his contract with Warner Bros to work on Justice League and that it would be going through a bunch of reshoots and then they brought Joss Whedon on to work on it and then we have a whole new ball game of problems so Warner Bros brings Joss Whedon on board to start working on Justice League after Zack Snyder had already finished filming quite a bit of the movie and Joss plans a whole bunch of uh, reshoots which involve getting Henry Cavill to come back to do some reshoots after he had already left to go work with Paramount on the Mission Impossible movie and thus is born the infamous mustache CGI horror show that came about and the media frenzy about all of the reshoots and the fact that the Justice League movie was in peril because Warner Bros. couldn't land on releasing the movie uh, as it was by, by Zack Snyder. The end product being the movie that we all got to see in theaters, which was the finished product by Joss Whedon. And let me just start by saying as a DC fan, as a Justice League fan, and a fan of good movies in general, that movie was a shit show. It was terrible. And it's hard to really point the finger at one particular person just because so many hands were in the pot during the making of this movie, let alone Zack Snyder not being able to finish his version of the movie. But you have the studio breathing down his neck, you have the executives breathing down uh, Joss Whedon's neck, you have Joss Whedon with his own flair and his own style, and you have the actors who are getting different direction from Zack, from Joss, from the studio. So a lot has taken place as to why this movie turned out the way it did and unfortunately we ended up with what we got but that's where this whole Snyder Cut thing comes from and it's from the fact that more and more about the Snyder Cut is surfacing because Zack Snyder is doing interviews and he's posting tweets and he's posting information on his social media that gives insight as to what his plans were for the movie and I gotta tell you, from the things that he's releasing to the public, information-wise, it makes me wish that he had finished his version of the movie just because he says he was planning to do you know, an injustice storyline, which is in- insane. He says that Martian Manhunter was uh, included in his version of the story, and that was the General Swanwick. And he says, you know, that it ties to a bunch of other characters in the DCEU, and he was really planning this big picture that we would have loved. And as a fan, I have to tell you, I really wish he got to finish that version of his movie. But of course, the studio has to step in and say, nope. A Snyder Cut does not exist, we have no information or knowledge about this, even though the actors who were in the movie and production crew and writers and things like that, even Jim Lee came out and said, yeah, you know, I've worked on storyboards and I've done some work for this movie that definitely confirms some of the things that Snyder is saying is is, or was part of his plans. Meanwhile, the studio is saying they have no record or no knowledge of this uh, ever existing. So flash forward to a few days ago and Jason Momoa is in an interview with I forget which publication and he basically confirms that the Snyder Cut does exist. And again, the Snyder Cut is just a version of the movie that is completed by Zack Snyder. It doesn't have all of the finished details. Like the CGI and all that sort of stuff, but it includes his finished version of the movie and Jason Momoa tells this publication that he's seen it and that it exists and it's a finished movie and confirms its existence to you know millions of fans who were fighting and signing petitions to have the Snyder Cut released. So now there's all this talk about the Snyder Cut and that's where we are today and it's been something like two years or more since the disastrous release of justice league and you know fans have been uncovering more and more as to what took place and how that movie ended up the way it did but since then to now we've all kind of been in the same boat as you know we're hoping that there was a better version of this movie and that it might get released to realizing that it's far past time and you know we should just kind of let it go but with more and more information like this coming up and with more people coming out to say yeah there is another version of this movie it just gives hope to the fans that we'll get to see it someday and if WB is listening which I really hope that they hear the fans outcry but I don't think there's any harm in actually releasing a Snyder Cut and the only thing I can think of as to why they may not want to release a Snyder Cut is because maybe it will show that there was a really good movie here and that because of their meddling it didn't get released or it was never finished or maybe they're just afraid that Snyder is uh in a position to show that his movie would have made them a whole lot more money and that it will just make them look stupid for not letting him finish his vision but at this point I think that we're two years away I think now we're almost three years away since Justice League came out and there really is no harm that can come from just releasing the Snyder Cut. And if they wanted to make good for the fans and if they wanted to just do right by the fans, which I I know that they don't care about, they would just release the Snyder Cut and just have people stop talking about it. But we know that that won't happen because if the movie is released and we end up loving the Snyder Cut, then it's just going to bring up a whole new wave of, you know, social media and all that stuff. But the, the studios at this point need to realize that these movies, although they're made for the purpose of making money, the people that spend the money to go see them, the large population of those people are fans and fans and their friends and their families and things like that. So you why wouldn't you want to make a movie or why wouldn't you want to release a version that could bring you more money and just make just build your your universe up even better if you look at some of the success that some of the more recent movies have had like Wonder Woman came out just after Snyder was released or let go from Warner Bros and that did really well even though it was done by Patty Jenkins and produced by Deborah Snyder who's also his wife and then you got the Shazam movie which was a standalone uh, that kind of was within the universe but not exactly and that did really well and then you get Aquaman which was done again within the DCEU, using Jason Momoa again as Aquaman, and it made a billion dollars. So it just goes to show that if the studios just leave the directors to do their vision, but give them sort of a framework or a guidance as to what they're hoping to get out of that movie in terms of building their universe, that they'll get it. I just hope that they see that if they give directors a little bit of free reign and allow them to produce their vision the way that they see fit because the directors are the ones that understand and the writers who are working on these these stories understand that the fans are the ones that are are going to help them build that universe by making it a successful movie then maybe the studios will just allow directors to see through their vision and you know allow the writers to make scripts that make sense to the fans but also make dollars as well. I mean look at Todd Phillips's The Joker which is a story that doesn't exist within the comic book world exactly the way the movie tells the story and it made so much money it was such a profitable movie and had no interference or little to no interference from the studio and from what I read they were not even expecting it to do as well as it did so a big problem lies in the fact that studios just need to give directors a bit more freedom but back to the Snyder Cut and its existence if it's out there I know that Uh, Many people have come forward to say that they've seen this version of the movie. I remember a while back I read that um, Henry Cavill had actually donned a black suit um, for Superman in Justice League, which would have been awesome to see. But if there is a Snyder Cut out there, I would only imagine that it would be not long from now that we'll actually get to hear or see more about it and if it ever does surface from the depths of Warner Bros archives you can definitely bet that not only DC fans but anyone that's heard anything about there being a Snyder Cut will want to see this movie just so that they can compare it and of course critique it both as a comic book fan and as a movie fan but yeah I mean I'm I'm hoping that they do release it I'm hoping that they can work things out with Zack Snyder and bring him back to work on more projects because he did have quite a great vision for these movies he is a fan of comic books he loves the work that he does and his his visual style is something that I, I personally like for these types of movies and it differs so much from the stuff that we got with Disney and Marvel that not having him work on your projects is kind of silly I do know that he is working on projects for HBO Max that's going to be launching soon and he may or may not be working on the Green Lantern series but he is a good person to helm these projects just because he does have the capability of doing stories that are larger than the standalone movies that they've been focusing on going forward. So to wrap things up here with regards to the Snyder Cut, my predictions are that the movie itself would be a much more action-packed movie. It will have a lot more of that Zack Snyder style in terms of tone and in terms of visual style that he brings to all of his projects. I know for sure we would definitely not get a Batman saying I, I don't not like you or Batman saying oh yeah something's definitely broken. So if a Snyder Cut does really exist, I can definitely anticipate wanting to see it and not getting a terrible version of Batman and a better treatment of these beloved characters. So that is it for me, guys. I have said all that I can say about the Snyder Cut and its existence. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to my podcast. For those of you who have made it through this entire thing, thank you. I am sorry I wasted so much of your time. To all of my listeners in Canada and the U.S., definitely appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for all of your support on our social media. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore gab or on Instagram at nerdgab. Or you can send us a quick email at nerdgab.podcast at gmail.com. And this is it for me, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, peace out.